Well, welcome to Recovery Unplugged. Uh, my name is Dr. Lynn Johns, and I am the director of Barber's Place at America's Keswick. We are a six to 12 month women's residential, uh, I like to say a life recovery program, uh, which is one of the reasons why we call this Recovery Unplugged, because there are so many things about life that we are constantly in need of finding freedom from, finding help in, and ways to walk through situations. And as well as wanting to give support to our grads, we also wanna help those of you that coming to a residential program is not the answer at this time. So uh, welcome to Recovery Unplugged. Uh, Juan Mendez, who will, you will meet in some of the others, and additional members of our staff will at times walk you through uh, many different topics. Uh, today's topic is uh, triggers. And uh, I love this statement I found the other day, real life doesn't have trigger warnings. And I, I thought that that was just so true because the reason they're called triggers is because something in the present all of a sudden immediately pushes our buttons. And that's probably more of the word that many of us have used, like, you know, stop pushing my buttons or that person just pushed every one of my buttons. That's really a way of saying that event triggered me or that person triggers me uh, or what they said triggers me. And so, uh, but real life doesn't have it. We don't get uh, an alarm or a warning on our smartwatch or on our phones that says, you know, danger, trigger ahead. And so we are usually taken completely unaware. So why are we talking about this topic? Well, as, you, as we go through, you'll see that triggers really take us out. They take us out from under the, our knees and they really take us captive. And Ephesians 3, 17 to 18 is a verse that I think is our really goal, even for this whole podcast. And that is, um, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and established in love will have the power together with all the saints to grasp how wide, how long, and how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. Um, when triggers or anything else keep us from living in freedom, we miss and don't, we are not able to fully live the life God has asked us uh, through Christ to live. And so that's our ultimate goal. And I hope you find that in this today, that you can walk away knowing that, um, the God that loves you and wants to help you and walk with you through this. Uh, because recovery is really allowing God's truth to rule in our hearts, uh, to give us comfort and guidance uh, when we walk through difficulties. So let's talk about triggers. Let me give you some things to think about. Have you ever gone off on an angry tirade without any specific known reason? Or maybe it's over some simple thing and your anger or your response seems way out of proportion. Maybe you were just going through the day and you got very sad all of a sudden and you don't know why. Have you ever met someone for the first time and something inside of you just made you feel sick? How about watching a movie and in the middle of the movie, your heart starts pounding out of your chest and it's not even a scary movie. Have you ever smelled a perfume scent and your mind immediately went to someone or some place you once knew or knew? I mean, we all have heard about the song that always takes us back to some place. 
See, those are all forms of triggers. Some of those are the triggers that we don't like the response. We don't like where it takes us. Others are triggers that take us to very, very pleasant places. Um, so we really don't want to do away and avoid all triggers because some are amazing and take us to good places. But we do need to think about the ones that take us to places we'd rather not revisit or take us um, to places or experiences that we don't like the people we become afterwards. And I want to pause here because if you're thinking all of a sudden of some of the things that have triggered you, I do want you to walk now slowly in grace. Um, I want you to be kind to yourself. Um, this is an arena and an area where we need to be kind to ourselves and offer ourselves grace because we are human. Um, we need to show ourselves compassion um, because when we do that, we'll be able to find the ability to look deeper and to find attention and give ourselves the attention that it needs. Because what exactly? Let me give you the best definition of a trigger that I think makes sense in a layman's term. A trigger is when something in the present causes our internal thoughts and emotions to take over our insides and causes a hyperarousal response within us and outside of us. Um, so it's something in the present that triggers or pushes our button um, that automatically our emotions take over and we go in to a response that we are no longer in control of. Painful and destructive triggers are fed from negative emotions, thoughts, beliefs, fears, some of our own personal shame, wounds that have occurred to us, hurts that have been done to us. Um, you know, triggers, once they've happened, and we are on the other side of them and we're stepping back and looking at them, they make us feel diminished, we're, we're offended, we're threatened, we're stereotyped, maybe we've been discounted, maybe we're being attacked. Um, and a trigger is that's what we're feeling inside when it happens um, because it creates an emotional experience, makes us feel or feel threatened in a certain way which then creates emotional responses like confusion, anger, fear, um, entrapment. Um, and I'm sure for you, you might already be thinking of exactly how they make you feel. Um, I told somebody as I was talking about this, I said, you know, one of my biggest triggers is I hate to talk to uh, like Comcast. I mean, everybody has Comcast stories or as a single woman, I used to hate to go to car dealers because I felt like I was always belittled or put down or treated as if I was dumb or insignificant and they wanted to, you know, run over me. And so whenever I talk to them, I can already feel my heart racing like you're not going to do that to me. Um, and yet I don't know anything about this person and whether they're trying to do that. But that's exactly what happens when we're triggered. And even though I'm very much aware of it, it doesn't mean it doesn't still happen. Um, let me give you some other examples. If you've been abused, 
for a long time, maybe by uh, a boss or by a parent, uh, you may have definite difficulties with any kind of authority. And just anybody who's trying to create authority over you might create all of those emotional responses. Um, maybe when someone criticizes you, um, if you have been verbally abused and put down for so long, any criticism, um, even though it's in the present and maybe within context, uh, can bring up major amounts of feelings of being triggered and emotions. Um, any rejection or letdown, or maybe somebody didn't pay attention to you uh, walking down the hall or in the office that day or at church. Um, if you have been abandoned or have been left or uh, somebody walked out on you, um, any of those in even the simple context could bring up all of those feelings from the original hurt or the original moon. Um, and sometimes if you've been controlled, dominated, um, anytime someone takes choice away from you, you might feel uh, those emotions and those fears rising within you. Um, you know, so, you know, what causes triggers? You know, they get their origin from our personal experiences. Those were all examples of previous personal experiences that now uh, are susceptible in the present. They originate only from memories stored. Um, triggers don't come out of the blue. They have a source in a previous memory or a previous experience. Um, the more often the previous experience occurred, the stronger the response or the triggered response will be. They're always about past stored events rather than the current event. And I'll probably repeat that a lot because a lot of people have a hard time understanding the response in the present. But if your response in the present doesn't match the present, it makes you go back and think about what from my past was just brought totally to the surface so you know what you need to actually work on. Um, for people with these kind of experiences, if you've had trauma, if you've had repeated woundings, if you've had repetitive negative experiences, maybe you've had hurtful uh, and painful experiences. You know, it could be as much as you spent a long time in the hospital once overcoming a near-death experience. Uh, anything in the present that makes you feel more vulnerable or makes you feel, um, you know, like you don't know what's next, could bring that up. Walking back into a hospital could bring that back up. If you've had a car accident, a, a major car accident, um, that can uh, show itself later on. Uh, maybe you've had a death of someone or you watched somebody die. Maybe you've just had a personal struggle uh, that maybe others don't know about and you, are, you have a, carry a lot of shame regarding because there's really a vast diversity of experiences that can cause such pain um, that it, it has a residual effect in our lives. Um, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, is really, you know, we learned about triggers and we really have learned way a lot more about this because of war vets who have flashbacks or um, inappropriate responses in present circumstances uh, and they learn to connect it to their war experiences. Um, you know, 
really what is happening is when the trigger happens, and you, know, you think of a trigger as a trigger of a gun, all you do is push that gun and it sends a bullet flying out of the gun. Um, it is the same thing within us. When something triggers or pushes our button, um, there is a switch inside of us that all of a sudden goes into um, hypervigilance. It all of a sudden goes into alert mode and it kicks in all of our defense mechanisms, just like a bullet coming out of a gun. Um, we cannot stop it once it has started and we cannot keep it from happening. Um, why is that? Why can we not, you know, stop a trigger before all of that response happens within us? Um, because internally, it's what God designed in us. Internally, it was given by God as a source of protection. Um, our fight or flight defense mechanism, our alarm system, is a beautifully created limbic system made by God to help us through crisis or life-threatening situations. You know, we have a tiny little uh, piece of that in our brain is called the amygdala. In the amygdala, it's like the guy who, you know, sounds the fire alarm in, by pulling the handle. He sees it, he, handle's pulled, alarms are going off, and everything is totally hijacked in our system. Um, it also means that we operate fully on an emotional and a responsive level, and our frontal lobe, our thinking, rational, cognitive self has been shut down. This isn't the time to think. This is the time that we need our entire being to react. Um, we sense danger, our body signals danger, and massive amounts of hormones and protective peptides kick into gear. Um, how does that happen? Well, think about it. All of a sudden, your heart, usually that's where it starts. You feel it in your heart. Your heart goes up to give you energy. Blood is then pumped throughout your body, especially into your limbs. Uh, it will allow you to increase the power to do whatever is necessary. Um, you hear stories about men that rush into crash scenes and lift cars so that people can get out from under it. They couldn't do that in their own strength. That's because their entire alarm system has already responded. Um, we know of people that have had major injuries and have managed to get themselves places and, uh, for um, help or safety. So blood is diverted for more energy to our limbs and more power. Perspiration increases because the body has to maintain itself and regulate our temperature. Um, our muscles then tense and it allows us uh, to fight uh, more or to be able to flee. Um, our physical response, our limbic system is totally designed to protect us. But when triggered by someone or something in the past that is fearful, threatening, and hurtful, and it's not in the present, that same response happens, and now we act as if we are in the first response. It happens fast, before we're aware, and this system does not just, there, it's an on switch, but it is not a quick off switch. And what are we watching externally? Maybe it should ask the question, when you're triggered, what do other people see? that is going on. Honestly, it can be pretty messy and confusing. 
because you could be having this standard conversation with someone and all of a sudden they go from mild manner or casual to all of a sudden, you know, their volume goes up, they get loud, they clench their fists, they're waving their arms. Uh, maybe they start using language that you're just standing back and going, who is this person? Um, maybe they get to a point of hysteria and, you know, they're uncontrollably screaming and you can't stop them. Maybe they begin to get aggressive. Uh, maybe they start pushing, throwing things. Um, they're going to do at that point anything that, or you may do anything at that point that you believe will protect you. Um, and it may be that they just shut down. Like you're having a conversation with someone and all of a sudden they just clam up, shut down, and they walk away and it's like they're hiding and self-protecting. Uh, or maybe they're assaulting, or maybe they're abusing. Um, maybe, you know, uh, there are a lot of people that get really mad and triggered at a job and say, that's it, I'm done, I quit. And they walk out, pack their things up, and then they get home. And now they're thinking about what had just happened. And unfortunately, when all that happens externally, it severs relationships. We make decisions that are not healthy. Uh, and in the end, we have to deal with the embarrassment, the shame, maybe the self-condemnation. And whatever negative belief we had or belief about the world we had or belief about ourselves has now become even more embedded and more established. Um, I found a chart um, in a book, and uh, the reference is, is right there, but anxiety, a fear something is in crisis. A trigger provokes that. We end up with anxious emotions uh, of whatever they might relate to, uh, fear, dread, panic, frustration, disappointment, sadness, um, loneliness. Uh, and then we get the physical symptoms that I described, uh, and they are now in control. Uh, and unfortunately, the way our self-talk goes at that part is more of, I got to get them, I got to defend, I have to do this. It's all the, what I need to do in the moment. Um, and then we end up behaving in ways as an outpouring of that. Uh, and, and then we come out of it, we've repeated the cycle, and we wait for the next trigger to happen until we repeat that cycle over and over again. And each time, sometimes the response could become uh, more and more um, outlandish or embedded or even destructive. So you go, okay, this is a recovery part. What does this have to do with addictions? You do addiction recovery. Well, if you see on the next graphic, you'll see that in addictions, it's the same exact pattern. Um, you know, every relapse started with something that triggered you. It may have been an, uh, an event or a person or a rejection or a stress moment or a little chaos. Whatever it is, everybody's triggers are different. So you have an experience. It increases the negative feelings and the thoughts. It increases the fear or the frustration or the stress. And then internal conflict happens and we move into uh, relapse, so we want a quick fix. Uh, in addictions, what happens is you recognize it, you recognize all the feelings, and you want to shut it down quickly, 
And so you move to a substance or something to self-soothe. Um, and then what happens? Regret, um, shame. It's the same cycle with just a slightly different pattern. And then we want to take action. We want to change. We begin recovery until the trigger happens again. And then we repeat. Um, so that's one of the reasons why at America's Keswick, we don't just deal with the recovery, we deal with and we go after the wounds and the hurts and the pains and the belief systems that are causing us to still be triggered and have those responses in our lives. But before I give you some tips on the answers and what to do next, I wanna answer the question, who was God in the midst of all of this? Who is God in the midst of our triggered experiences? You know, today I was just thinking about Psalm 139. I could take you to a whole lot of verses, but Psalm 139 just kind of came to me as this is really where all of some of the, the best answers of where God is in your life. First off, he's the creator. Psalm 139 talks all about how God has created us and he's created the world and, and in the way and the profound power uh, in which he has done it and the perfection of it. Uh, he, and he is the great designer of us. It talks about us being fearfully, wonderfully made, intricately woven. Um, he understands our internal protective system. I mean, in some ways, that's exactly where he's been is he has built in us the ability to protect ourselves. Uh, he also talks about the fact that um, he knows us and precious are his thoughts towards us. So he's our comforter. He's the place that we know we can go to and not have rejection and not be afraid of what the judgment or the condemnation that might come. Uh, and then scripture, and then Psalm 139 says, search me, O God, and lead me. Uh, he becomes the teacher to show us where we need healing. He becomes the healer who does the healing. Uh, he's the creator, you know, and so the creator, you would, you know, if I have a, a car that's broken, I'm going to take it back to my dealer. I'm going to take it back to the creator to help me fix it. Uh, so he's the healer that guides us into a new story, a new perspective, a new understanding of how to function. And above all, he's the redeemer. He's the one that wants to transform your past and he wants to take it and move it into how that past will make us who we are and how it will move us into his plan and purposes. God has always been there, even when we don't feel it, because all we feel is all of the pain and all the hurt. So what do you do to stop from being triggered? Well, I wish I could say you can, and there's something you can do. Um, it's more of uh, learning to respond differently and learning to take the power away from the triggered response. And once you do that and begin to understand your triggers, we give them less power, and so they no longer need to continue to defend you. Um, a Google engineer once came up with an idea and a way to effectively respond to these triggers rather than react to them. Um, this practice is useful to dealing with triggers, and it's also helpful in any kind of stressful situations or when you're experiencing kind of negative emotions. It's very simple. It's a great technique. It's not the answer. It's just a way to help the triggers find a calmness so that you can come to that. First is stop. Um, 
pause. As soon as you know, and you're feeling it inside, one of the best things you can do is mentally tell yourself, you know, stop. I, I sometimes tell my clients, you know, pretend you carry around a stop sign and you just, when you need to, put that stop sign and just see it and saying, wait, stop. You know, scripture would say, be slow to anger, you know, to be quick to listen, uh, slow to speak. And so it's the same idea, just stop, pause. Before you go further, you know, hesitate, um, put the brakes on, and then breathe. Uh, breathing, focus, slow down. It's another great gift of God. When our amygdala kicks in and that starts pumping and our heart stumps pumping, if we can slow our breath down and become very conscious of our breath and even count our breaths, it actually helps become that little temperature gauge that turns down um, that adrenaline rush within us. It kind of signals to the body, okay, I don't need you anymore. Once that's done, then we can sit back and we begin to take notice. We can ask God to search us, help me understand, help me pay attention to the inner emotion feeding this response. You know, help me be able to see what's really going on here. Which then allows you to reflect on that experience. Reflect on where it came from. Reflect on why it still causes so much hurt. Um, reflect on what we may still need healing from that we didn't recognize. That then allows us to respond, to bring in a biblical truth. Uh, to connect a reality in current time. Uh, this is the time that we get to then say, okay, this is what I know to be true. This is what I know I have in Christ. This is who Christ says I am. Uh, this is how Christ tells me he'll walk with me through this and why I do not have to fear. Um, and he calls it the Siberian North Railroad Treatment Technique only because it gives you a way to remember S-B-N-R-R. Siberian North Railroad. And if you can remember that, then when you feel it, you can say, wait, stop. Breathe deep breaths. Um, hold it in. Exhale. Um, some other people say, you know, get in touch with reality. Pay attention to where you are. Bring yourself to the present moment. That will then allow you to start thinking, to start processing. Um, practiced over time doing these things and learning how to put that into play will help break down our learned patterns of reacting. Um, it will teach our body that this is no longer something I have to go into overdrive with. Uh, and it will help begin to install a new and more effective way of responding. You know, one of the things that we notice, uh, especially at Barber's Place, is that when women come in, we see them responding and always ready to defend or fight or justify. And the longer they're there, the more they get to sit and they get to reflect and they get to think. And it's that same idea that as Christ begins to build new beliefs and reminds them of who they are and who he is, uh, the responses can be different. So how do you find total freedom from this cycle? That just told you how to sort of slow down and begin the process. Well, I think it's very important that you recognize your triggers. 
Um, ask people, you know, you know, when do you see me react? Under what circumstances do you see me change, become a different person? How do I react? Um, pay attention to the events, begin tracking them. What do those events have in common? Um, what actions are the ones you always take? Um, what feelings are being brought up in it in the present and when you sit back and reflect? What are you telling yourself? Um, what are you thinking at the moment? Um, what are you fighting for at the moment? What is your brain saying, I have to win this because you're not going to, or I'm not going to let you, or this isn't going to happen again? What are some of the, how would you respond to those? What isn't going to happen again? You know, what aren't they going to and how are they not going to treat you? Um, are there certain places that cause this and then what do those places represent to you? Um, and the more you understand what your triggers are, the more you'll be able to get to and put those pieces together and rebuild your puzzle. And it will probably and most likely, especially with the help of others, you'll be able to see where it's coming from and it will bring up the core wound, the, the original hurt that has been potentially added to over and over again. Because it's the deeper work then. God calls us um, to let him into our soul. Uh, he wants us, uh, it says, when deep calls to deep, uh, God calls us into sort of our gut, you know. Uh, he wants to come in uh, and heal those wounds caused from those ingrained. He wants into your thought life. He wants in to um, be able to give you new choices he wants to encourage your emotions and both affirm the emotions that are helpful and help you uh, calm down and utilize emotions the way they were designed. Unfortunately, triggers often harm relationships and in this God wants to come in and he wants to heal relationships that have been severed because of your reactions. Most of all, God wants to offer grace forgiveness. He offers mercy to you. Um, it's a deeper work, not an easy work. Um, find help to process. Um, if you know you're triggered a lot, find someone to go saying, I need to help on why this happened. How do I get here? What's feeding this? Help me to dig deep, to look inside uh, so that you can get healing. Journal, pray, um, I encourage you to read the Psalms. They're really where David goes and David does the deeper work uh, of the hurts and the pains and asking God and inviting God into those places. Um, as I said in the beginning, to be triggered is human. Um, but to heal is an amazing thing offered to all of us from God so that our triggers no longer have to control or be a part of our everyday life. And, uh, you know, call us, give us a call here to America's Keswick if you have more questions about this. But I wanna end with Psalm 40, great Psalm of David calling out to God. And things I want you to remember at all times, God is good. In Psalm 40, it says, verse 11, that God will not hold his mercy from you 
His love and faithfulness will always protect you. And in Psalm 40, verse 17, it reminds us that God is always present. It says, for me, I am poor and needy. Um, Sorry, but as for me, I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. He is our help and our deliverer. You are my God. God is present. God is also working. Even in the midst of everything that you're going through and our responses that we're not so proud of, God is still at work. Psalm 40, verse 1 and 3 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. God is good. God is present. God is working. Psalm 40. I hope you believe that and know that. And if you need help, reach out. We're here to help. AmericasKezik.org. Thank you.